Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life He gives. So as Adam mentioned, for the last several weeks we've been exploring the theme of resurrection and we've been looking at stories where people have encounters with the resurrected Jesus. And so he's been crucified, he has risen from the dead, and then there's these various stories in the Gospels and in the book of Acts where Jesus meets with his followers and, and with individuals, and they have encounters with the resurrected Jesus. And we've been doing this because oftentimes you kind of get one shot at a resurrection sermon, right? And, and on Easter Sunday, right? But we decided to do things differently this year because Adam didn't preach on Resurrection Sunday, so he's like, I gotta get a resurrection sermon in somehow. So we're doing a resurrection series. No, 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 no. It's you know, it's interesting. We spend all this time in Lent, right, every year, leading up to Good Friday and then Easter Sunday, and then we just kind of spend one week on this kind of monumental moment in in time and space in history and in, in the narrative of Scripture. So we're spending some more time in resurrection. So this morning, we're going to be looking at a short passage in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. Just going to be spending a bit of time here. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so it's a brief encounter here. It's a short story, but it's an important one. It's where we get the Great Commission, right? We get the Great Commission from this passage, but there's this small detail that's kind of missed and I think often overlooked when this passage is taught because we do have the Great Commission, right? And so a lot of times when we open our Bibles to this passage or we've had the chance to open our Bibles to this passage on like a Sunday in a church, right? We're talking about the Great Commission, but I want to throw verse 17 back on the screen, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. It's a little line, right? And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, this passage is important, right? It's where we get the great commandment. It has the word great in it. This is also like the last verses that we read in the Gospel of Matthew. So this story, these words, these are the words that Matthew wants, his, wants to leave his audience with. It's like these are important words. And so we get to the Great Commission. It's got the word great in the title. But then verse 17, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. It's kind of like the woo I got earlier, right? It's like, Matthew, you're, you're like painting this picture of this really important moment and you're leaving the words. These are the words that you want to leave with your audience as they read this story. It's, it's hardly the clarion call that you would expect, right? Like leading the charge. Uh, this is the speech that Matthew's giving leading up to the Great Commission. They were there, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And then Jesus gives these 
important words. Now, uh, can I share a story with you? Um, this is something I've been thinking about a lot recently, but um, in early December, I injured my hip playing soccer because I'm getting old, and that's what happens to you as you age. You get injured, and your injuries take longer to heal. And so typically when I get injured, I, I spend about maybe four to six, eight weeks if it's, a, if it's a long injury, kind of just like resting and then just kind of going back to life as normal, running, exercising for me. Exercising is playing soccer. And um, it was about six to eight weeks before I went to the doctor because my hip just wasn't healing. It, in, in my past experiences, like I said, it was like four, six, maybe eight weeks if it was really bad. But this really wasn't kind of improving. And so I went to the doctor and... I got prescribed physical therapy. I know some of you are familiar with physical therapy. I've seen some of you at my physical therapist's office. Um, and so I've been going twice a week since around mid-February. Anyone else has done this, physical therapy? Okay, a few of you. So a few of you have done physical therapy. I'll be honest with you. It's not my favorite thing in the world. Um, in the past, I've been prescribed physical therapy, and I've I just like well, I just didn't go. I'm like, I sorry, I can't, I can't do this. But I'm committed to it this time because I'm kind of committed to the process of healing. And I'm getting older, and I'm really out of shape right now, so I need to get better. So I've been doing this twice a week since around mid-February. Now, all of you are asking the question now, Ian. What on earth does this have to do with Matthew 28? And resurrection. What on earth does hip injury rehab have to do other than the fact that I'm getting older and the hope of a resurrected body sounds nicer and nicer as I age? But I found the process of physical therapy incredibly humbling. Um, how many of you know what this is? I have a picture here. How many of you know what this is? Yeah, what is this? What is this? A resistance band, yes. And I, I remember the first time I came home with one of these, and I was in the living room, and I, I won't do too much for you, but I was doing the little walk thing. And uh, my daughters and my wife, Luann, were looking at me just like, who are you? You are so embarrassing. <laughs> and so I've been doing this in the living room at night, watching TV, and Luann walked in, and she's like, it still is embarrassing to think about you doing those exercises, but it's, it's humbling, it's embarrassing, um, and a lot of times what I've experienced as I've gone to physical therapies, I'm instructed in these exercises, and the exercises look so easy, right? And they probably are if you're like a healthy, strong adult, like it would be pretty easy, but they're not for me as, as I'm kind of recovering from this injury. I find like, okay, I'll do like five, and then I start to I'm sweating, and I'm doing these things that, I, that look like a baby could do them, right? And so it's humbling. It's embarrassing. Now, why am I talking about this? Because the resurrection of Jesus insists, through the resurrection, and Scripture insists that God is making us a new creation people, and our bodies, our souls, our spirits 
are still learning how to live in this new reality. Um, as a church family, our vision isn't very complicated. I have a slide here for you. This is our, if we have an, art, we have an articulated vision here at Church at the Well, this is what we're about. This is if someone asks you, what's your church about? What's Church at the Well? What's the Church at the Well's thing? Tell me about your church. This is how I would answer. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. Do what Jesus did. Incredibly simple things, right? We're not rewriting any sort of, we're not like, wow, revealing this magnificent vision that we created in some lab somewhere, right? It's not complicated. Simple. Does anyone agree? Simple vision. Be with Jesus. Become like Jesus. Do what Jesus did. And as we work out, as we have conversations with one another, what does it look like? What does it look like to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what Jesus did? As we work that out, you'll hear us talk about spiritual practices and spiritual exercises. And a lot of times the practices seem simple, but when we are in need of healing and restoration, which we all are, right, they can actually feel quite difficult. And so for this week, uh, I'm going to bring up five practices that Adam actually guided us through a few weeks ago, because when you're a preacher, preacher's favorite things to do is just steal points from other preachers. And Adam stole those points from John Minan and Abby Carroll, who presented these points to our, our vision team in a meeting a couple months ago, when we were talking about kind of focusing on this first uh, vision, be with Jesus. But, oh no, you can go to the next slide, that's fine. Um, so we have, we have these five practices, be with Jesus in prayer. And really where these came from was Abby and John got together a few times and they were discussing with one another, where in scripture, if you read through the Bible, where is the presence of God, the presence of Jesus promised? So if you do these things, God's presence is there with you. We're not always aware of God's presence, but when we do these things, when we in engage in these practices, God promises that his presence is with us, right? And so that's where this came from. And so we have be with Jesus in prayer, be with Jesus in scripture, be with Jesus in Sabbath, be with Jesus among the least of these, and be with Jesus among the church gathered. This is where Jesus promises his presence. Now, these exercises, these practices um, you know, we could think of them in, in a way as like kind of a resurrection therapy, right? We're learning to live in the reality of resurrection. And why I find this interesting is because like physical therapy, these practices are something that you can kind of engage in kind of very early on in the process. You want to engage these things when things are good, right? So one thing that I'm learning as well is it's important to exercise to prevent injury, right? So the goal is to not have to go to physical therapy. And then especially when you are going through a process of healing and restoration, that these practices become incredibly important. And so I'm just going to give you a few handy things. I'm going to be your resurrection therapist today. So um, I know it's Mother's Day, but that's a bad dad joke for a sermon title. But the title of today's sermon is Resurrection Therapy. Uh, if I was a youth pastor, that's what I would be saying right now. Okay, so 
I want to start with be with Jesus in prayer. I'm going to give you two short practices for the week. And maybe at the end of the week, you'll be like out of breath from these two practices. But two short prayer practices for the week. And you can do it every day if you want. Or you can do it once in the next week. And that's a good place to start. Uh, Sometimes when I go to PT, my uh, PT therapist. Can you tell me what, what, you do PT, right? Yeah, what is a physical, what is it? Is it also a physical therapist? My physical therapist would say to me, how how have you been doing? Have you been doing it? I'll say, well, I did it on Thursday, but I didn't do it on Friday. It's fine. Doing great. It's great. Get it in when you can. So if you can do it every day, great. If you can do it once in the next week, that's a good place to start. Two prayer practices. I'm not going to lay anything heavy on you. I'm going to invite you to pray out loud, to find a moment sometime this week to pray out loud the Lord's Prayer, which you can find in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13, and to pray out loud Psalm 23. Simple prayer practices, right? And as you do so, Jesus promises his presence with you. Now, as you pray these, I'd encourage you to take some time with it. Don't, don't feel any pressure to kind of like unpack the meaning of all of each kind of verse and each sort of like kind of passage, but ask yourself the question like, where is God speaking to me in the Lord's prayer? Is it something about God that he's wanting to reveal to me? Is it something about myself, my situation, my heart, right? Our our Father, um, forgive us our sins. Is it some sort of a word of forgiveness that I need to hear? So just pay attention. So As you pray, perhaps keep a journal with you. And if you want, you can even write some questions down for you to just be kind of like prompts as you're praying these prayers out loud. Questions like, is there something about God in this prayer that I need to hear? Or is there something in this prayer that speaks to a need in my soul? So just taking some time to do it intentionally, right? Kind of the right form. You want to have the right form in this. So don't worry about unpacking everything. Um, Just connect with Jesus in any way you can in these prayers. Even if it's a simple thought or an encouragement, that's a win, right? That's a win, just doing it one day, one time. Okay, scripture. Scripture is also going to be simple. I don't have a slide for this, so sorry, I looked at it like there was a slide for it. But uh, I'm going to encourage you to find a daily devotional So if you have a book of devotions or you could find them on the internet if you want. Uh, I became a follower of Jesus when I was 18 and I knew nothing about the Bible. And so I just went to Google and I said, hey, Google, where can I read the Bible? And Google told me where I could read the Bible. And I found these um, devotionals called Our Daily Bread. Anyone ever read the Our Daily Bread devotionals? Yeah, so they're like archives of, of these. I don't know if they're good, so... If they're not, (laughs) I haven't read any in a long time. But to me, they're incredibly life-giving because it provided me an opportunity to read Scripture daily. And there are these things that would send send me one to my email box and you could read it that day. But what I did is I went to the archives and I just like printed off all the archives. And I was reading like 30 a day. I was a crazy person uh, for, for Jesus. But I was just, I was doing that because I was encountering being with Jesus in those devotionals, right? And so uh, I'd encourage you to find a devotional, or if you don't, um, to read a psalm 
just go, go to the book of Psalms and pick one out and read it, right? And just, just read um, the word. Now, if you're able to, I want to encourage you something else with this practice of being with Jesus in Scripture is to actually use a physical Bible. Don't use a phone. I, uh, <laughs> I visited, a, I was traveling a few weeks ago, and I visited a church, which will be unnamed, but I, uh, I visited a church while I was traveling, and the preacher said, you know, I read my Bible on my phone, and uh, I'm just going to lift my Bible up, and we're, we're going to pray for the Word. And he's, this is fine. I have no issue with it, and I pray, Lord, help me not be cynical in this moment right now. <laughs> right? Okay. Help me, Lord. Okay. And everyone was kind of like holding up their phone, and it just felt wrong to me, because like for me, my, a phone is like a hindrance to my relationship with God. It's like this device of incredible distraction and addiction, and I need to like ask the Lord for forgiveness for like my attachment to my phone, right? Just me? Oh, man, just me on that one. Okay, so um, I'd encourage you, if you are able to, to find a physical Bible. If you don't have a physical Bible, maybe grab Adam or I. We'll, we'll help get you a Bible. Um, or not, just like print out a passage, find you know a printer somewhere, or write down a scripture even, and, and find some space to just read. I don't want to over-instruct this. I don't want to give you a lot of instruction. Just sometime this week, engage the practice of being with Jesus in Scripture. Got that one? Okay, great. The next one, this is going to be a a bit of a bigger challenge, Sabbath. Be with Jesus in Sabbath. Now, I'm not going to assign a full day of Sabbath to everyone this week. If you're able to, that's great. But at the very least, over the coming week, I'm going to invite you to take a moment of intentional Sabbath. And what this is, is this is resting in the goodness of God. You can do this with others, or you can do it on your own. You can take your cup of coffee onto the porch or into the yard because it's finally nice in Vermont. Can I get an amen? Amen, okay, I got you all on that one. You can take your coffee out to the porch or your tea, I suppose, if you're a tea person, and spend a Sabbath moment reflecting on the goodness of God in your life. You know what's great about this? There's no wrong, right way or wrong way to do this. You don't need to say anything or do anything. That's what Sabbath is. It's a time to remind yourself that you're a human being, not a human doing, right? Can I get an amen? When you're reminded that you're, the highest call of your life doesn't come from your work. It isn't what you do. It doesn't come from how productive you are. That's what Sabbath reminds us. It's a moment to rest in the finished work of God accomplished through the cross and the resurrection, even if your work isn't done. It's a moment to rest in the finished work of God. It's a moment to remember that God's grace is sufficient in this moment here and now. It's a moment to breathe in the grace of God and to breathe out, thank you. Thank you, right? That sounds nice, right? I think a lot of times when we hear folks talk about Sabbath, it sounds really not fun, right? Like, I'm just going to ignore all this stuff I have to do. No, Sabbath is resting in the goodness of God. It's taking in the breath of God's goodness and the finished work 
accomplished through the cross and the resurrection. So, um, sounds nice, right? So let's find some time to do that. It can just be a moment. So the, the homework for that is find a Sabbath moment this week. It could be with others. It could be with yourself. It could be preparing a meal and having some friends over. The type of friends over where you don't have to pretend. You don't have to put on a show, right? Friends you can truly rest around, right? And so find a Sabbath moment this week. Now, um, this next one, be with Jesus among the least of these. I'm going to give you three options, okay? A varying engagement, varying commitment. First is um, among, so be with Jesus among the least of these. What, what do we mean by this? We mean uh, when, when Jesus said, when you've been there for the poor, the hungry, the thirsty, the needy, you have actually done it for me, right? You have actually done that onto me. And so in scripture, when we, what we read is, is when we are with the marginalized, the oppressed, the forgotten, right? We're actually with Jesus. So three options to engage this, three ways to engage this practice. Schedule time to volunteer, your important time. So schedule a time to volunteer uh, wherever you want, a new place, Write a letter to an inmate. Um, go volunteer at the banquet, 150 Cherry Street, next Saturday. Um, contact the folks at USCRI and ask them, how can I help you? How many of you here when Hannah Rose spoke a few weeks ago, right? Ask one of us for Hannah's email. Send Hannah an email. Say, how can I volunteer? So you don't have to volunteer this week, but one of the ways you could practice this is schedule a time to volunteer. Another way that you could do this is just by praying. You don't have time. Your life is a mess right now. Pray for one of Church at the Wall's local and global partners. So if you go to our website, you'll see these are folks that we support um, through prayer, through volunteering. Also, these are organizations that we donate to monthly at Church at the Wall. You can go to our website and kind of see this list. You can take a picture if you forget. But we have a new place, uh, Village to Village, which is an orphanage in Uganda. And then we have our various uh, campus ministries, Chi Alpha, RUF, in our varsity, Signs of Love teaches um, native sign language to folks in Peru and Honduras and Argentina, um, the, uh, the deaf and mute community. They teach them language in the name of Jesus. That uh, amazing. And we have Church at Prison here as well. It's a cool logo. So these are organizations we support. Take some time this week. Say a prayer for just one, just one of those organizations. Or if you're uh, uh, committed to prayer, you can pray for everyone if you want. But just one. Um, another way you could do this, you could pray for the persecuted church. Um, this is something that you don't hear us talk about a whole lot because um, I think we like being comfortable. Um, and then there's also lots of things that we could talk about. But there are followers of Jesus all over the world who are experiencing a tremendous persecution for their faith. And we get comfy 60 Lake Street seats here at the film house. And so um, pray for the persecuted church. Um, okay, got a handle on that one. Last one, uh, be with Jesus among the church gathered. So I'm going to end with an exercise that's perhaps a unique way of engaging this specific 
theme or this specific practice, being with Jesus among the church gathered, because it, it would be really easy to say, like, join a small group or find an opportunity to connect or go to a young adults gathering or join us for the picnic. You should do all those things or go to the retreat on June 10th, right? Uh, sorry, I normally MC, so like just getting those MC things out of the way, right? You should, we should all do those things. But um, what I found in my time as someone who is with the church gathered, among the church gathered, being with Jesus, I think over time I've become incredibly aware of our need to learn how to be people of forgiveness. People who not only learn and know how to forgive, but people who become, who need to become really, really good at it. As a resurrection people, right? We're called to be people who practice forgiveness. Forgiveness is central to the Lord's prayer, right? Father, forgive them. Forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's central to the message and the story of Jesus on the cross. And the resurrection is the affirmation of the way of the cross, right? It's God saying yes to the way of the cross. This practice is a difficult one, and I thought I had to give you a difficult one today. Because like Jesus' death on the cross, the path of learning to forgive one another, it's not an easy one. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's not an easy path. But like Jesus' death on the cross, it's a path that leads to resurrection. Forgiveness can be agonizing. It can be like a kind of death, a kind of suffering. But when we engage the agony and the suffering that can be forgiveness, when we get to the end of it, we'll find that there's actually resurrection. Uh, I have a quote from Tim Keller. How many of you Tim Keller fans? Can Tim Keller get a woo? This is from Tim Keller's book, The Reason for God. Speaking of forgiveness, there's another option, however. You can forgive. Forgiveness means refusing to make them pay for what they did. However, to refrain from lashing out at someone when what you want to do, when you want to do so with all your being is agony. It is a form of of suffering. You're absorbing the debt, taking the cost of it completely on yourself instead of taking it out on the other person. It hurts terribly. Many people would say it feels like a kind of death. Next slide. And this is how he ends. Yes, but it is a death that leads to resurrection instead of the lifelong living death of bitterness and cynicism. Paul says it this way in Philippians chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. This is what it means to be resurrection people, my brothers and sisters. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. See, we like get hyped. Resurrection Sunday, the amps are turned to 11. This is how Paul says, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so, somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. This is an essential practice as we learn to be with Jesus among the church gathered. Why? Because where the church is gathered, 
that's where people are. And where people are, we need to learn how to get incredibly good at forgiveness. One of my favorite proverbs says, where, the, where, the ox, where there are no oxen, the barn is clean, but much revenue comes from the strength of the ox. What on earth does it have to do with being with Jesus among the church gathered? My brothers and sisters, where there are no people, there's no need for forgiveness. The church is good, right? There's no relational strife, but relationships, what God is doing in our midst as a people, that's where the life is. That's where resurrection life is. And so we need to get really good at learning to forgive. Uh, One last quote. Uh, Parker Palmer in his book, The Promise of Paradox, writes this. The cross says, the pain stops here. The way of the cross is a way of absorbing pain, not passing it on, a way that transforms pain from destructive impulse into creative power. The other side of the pain and the agony and the suffering that is forgiving is a resurrection. So, if you're taking notes, if you have a piece of paper with you, I'd encourage you to find a blank piece. If you don't, you can do this later on your own. Find a blank piece of paper. Is there a name? Is there an experience? Is there an encounter that you need to forgive? That God is inviting you to forgive? Is there a small group leader? Is there a church that you were once a part of, that you're being invited to forgive? If there's someone in this room that you need to forgive, maybe don't hold the paper at them and show them the name, right? (laughs) Keep it to yourself. Right. It's It's an agony. It's a suffering. But I promise on the other side of it is a resurrection. So, friends, we got to do the work of resurrection therapy on our own. This has been an announcement from your resurrection therapist. This is a reminder. You can take a picture of that if you want. Be with Jesus in prayer, the Lord's Prayer in Psalm 23. In Scripture, devotional Bible reading, Google it. Or just find a psalm in Sabbath. Find a moment of Sabbath this week among the least of these. Volunteer or pray or both among the church gathered. Practice forgiveness, that'll be a harder one. And so I'll leave you with one last thought from Matthew 28, verse 17. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Is this the concluding music to the sermon? Okay, I'm just going to roll with it. So, (laughs) when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. It's interesting to me that in this encounter... With the resurrected Jesus, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, this is interesting to me for a couple different reasons, because I think it highlights, and you'll hear me talk about this, the varied experiences that we can have with the resurrected Jesus, right? We can all have varied experiences, but I want you to notice what the text does not say. It does not say some worshipped and some doubted. It says they worshipped 
and some doubted. What are Jesus' followers doing here? Even those who doubted, they're showing up. And sometimes when you show up, maybe it's an easy thing for you to do. You like see this list, and you're like, fine, Ian, I do all of those things. If that's you, amen. You're on the schedule next week. You get to preach. Um, so maybe it's, but maybe for some of you it's hard. It's like me at physical therapy. It feels long and slow and like not much is happening. And it maybe feels humbling or embarrassing, right? But on the other side of showing up, we are promised resurrection life. On the other side of showing up. And more than that, as we show up, we're promised that Jesus is with us in all of it. Let's read uh, this Philippians verse again on the screen together, and we'll close in prayer. I want you to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray. God, we thank you that the story of resurrection is one that we are invited into in all of our messiness as we long to be healed, as we long to be restored, as we carry whatever brokenness we carry with us, God, that you are inviting us into the story of resurrection. We thank you that you promise to be with us when we pray, that you promise to be with us as we read scripture as we practice Sabbath, as we gather with the church family. And we thank you that you promise to be with us as we care for and as we are with those who are marginalized, oppressed, the outsider among the least of these, God, you promise to be with us. We ask for the courage, the strength to show up. And for some of us, that means we worship and some of us, we doubt God. But uh, we show up nonetheless to the place that you're inviting us, which is a place where you promise to give life, healing, shalom, peace, and grace, salvation. So we open our hearts to you, God, and we ask that your spirit would help us uh, as, as we walk this path, as we learn to live in the resurrection. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.